0: Well, we are excited again today to uh, visit with Sydney Roberts, who is the 2019 th- 2020 nominee uh, for the Edwin Parr Award, which is an award given out to first year teachers. And so, as we uh, begin to introduce Sydney, we want to spend a little bit of time uh, visiting with um, the current principal of Raymond Elementary School, uh, Mr. Jerry Salmon and get his take on one, not specifically about Sydney, but tell us what it's like to have a first year teacher in your building. And some of the things that come along with a a first year teacher.
1: That's a good question. Um, so the anything about any first year teacher being in the building, like it's not just, um, are they're finally transitioning into having their own classroom, which is usually pretty excited for them. And they're, they're digging into a curriculum for the first time and, and really getting their plans set to be able to own the classroom. And those plans can be like the instructional ones, but also classroom management plans. But sometimes what we forget as we get a little longer in our career actually is everything else that a first year teacher has to learn in that first year. Like when my recess breaks are like, what's the routine for a fire drill? Like all those other routines that happen in a school and that learning's right on top of everything else. Where do I go to get supplies? Like there's so much of that there that uh, um, sometimes somebody who's longer there, like a principal that's longer in or a team member, forgets to actually tell those sorts of things because it's just so natural for us that uh, sometimes they're left to drown a little bit that way too. But they they usually do really good. They come in with a lot of energy and, uh, and excitement. And quite often, even though they have all that learning on top of it, they come in and because of that energy and excitement, they can often be the... the a spur to a team too, to get a team going and collaborating again. And that's, that's actually what Sydney was.
0: Awesome. So let's, uh, let's just talk about um, Sydney for just a minute as a, as a school administrator and having the opportunity to work with her. What would you say some of her, uh, her strengths were that you admired in her as, as she came in
1: as that first year teacher? Um, I can actually remember clearly it's been a year and a half now, but I can, I can remember clearly her interview and how strong her interview was Um, At the end of the interview, we knew as an admin team at that point that we wanted Sydney in our building. She had a very strong musical background. And I don't know a lot about music, so I didn't really realize the connection from music to literacy at the time. But uh, it was her knowledge of how to use music to forward students literacy skills was pretty impressive. And, uh, And to be able to help kids dig in from there. So it was right from there that we knew that Sydney was gonna be impressive as a teacher. So we wanted her at that point. Um, But then the other thing, too, was when she came in, like, she just, she was very exciting, and she really did put a lot of effort into making sure that her lessons were engaging. One of the worst insults to Sydney was to say that her lesson was boring. She did not want to be that boring teacher by any means. And, And not that she wanted to just entertain, she wanted learning to be engaging. And so she put in a lot of effort to make sure that that kids were involved in the class as well as learning the, the curriculum.
0: Awesome. Um, you know, last year was a bit of a strange year to be a first year teacher. So you, you already talked about that excitement. You come in it's my classroom. I'm going to decorate it and do all that. And then in March that was kind of cut off for a first year teacher. What were some of the things that you felt like she did and adjusted and, and made continued to make learning successful for
1: students that had to now go online for their learning. Yeah, we felt bad for her actually, because part of it was as new, like she was looking to maybe get a choir going in the building and all of that, like she had plans and then they were over. And uh, and then as we shifted to online, uh, to be honest, um, Sydney's quite proficient at using technology. And so she was very helpful to her team to be able to, else they collaborated to decide, what are we going to do as a team? Like She was able to really put forward a lot of the the help with, here's how this can look online, as well as put forward some of the activities that were there too.
0: So three reasons in your mind as a school administrator that uh, Sydney was a great candidate for this award and representing Raymond Elementary.
1: Three reasons. I think reason number one is her relationship with students. She, I would say, it was a point of pride for her. She would really get to know her kids, and uh, and not just always inside school. She'd support their extracurricular activities. She knew that it was really that it really mattered to kids if they liked her or not, to their success in learning. Not just I want to be their friend. It was if I can get a relationship with kids, they'll be more successful in the classroom the second thing I would say it was about her organization and her her planning like she was a phenomenal planner she put in a lot of effort to make sure that it was engaging for kids and that they were wanting to be at school and then the third thing I'd say about her is you could have a conversation with Sydney at any time about any of her students and she knew where they were at like it it wasn't oh hey let me go check on anything like you could say immediately hey tell me about this kid and and you could ask Literacy, numeracy, whatever it is that you wanted to ask about, and should be able to answer it quite quickly.
0: No, we're excited for her to be the nominee, and and things just kind of fell apart at the end of the year there with all of the recognition and tend to normally give uh, our Edwin Parr nominee, and so we're backtracking a little bit, and we wanted to invite her and you uh, to be part of this um, podcast um, to highlight the work of of Sydney Roberts, but really also all. first year teachers who walk into a building, um, get that first classroom, uh, excited about it. And I loved what you said though, all of the other things that come along with that piece of, uh, what's my copier code? Uh, when do I make copies? What is my recess? What does it mean to have recess supervision? Oh, where do I go? Oh, what's the fob for all of those kinds of things like, Oh, a fire drill. What do we even do during a fire drill? And so that first year is, is pretty intense for a teacher. And, and sometimes we forget that. So uh, thanks for coming on, Mr. Salmon. We appreciate you being part of our show. No problem. She
1: deserves the recognition.
0: Well, we are really excited to have Sydney on our uh, podcast today and, and uh, grateful for the introductions that we've had of her and a little bit from her bio, but we're going to let um, Sydney, Mrs. Roberts speak for herself. So, so, Tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and why, why you became a teacher, that journey to education.
2: Uh, the journey to education was definitely not traditional. Uh, when I graduated from Raymond High School, it was not the plan to be a teacher. <laughs> I, as soon as I got that diploma in my hands, I took off to the States and I expected to be staying there for quite a while. I started at Weber State University studying vocal performance and I decided to go down to the states. Um, I got the ambassador scholarship at Weber State and so I was helping to you know bring students to Weber to attend university there so I got I actually got to travel to all the high schools in Utah and teach them about education and to kind of encourage them to go to secondary education and to you know attend Weber and so it was actually really interesting to see their schools there uh, even before I was a teacher but I I wanted to perform I wanted to travel I wanted to sing that was my dream so as soon as I graduated I took off to New York and I thought this is it this is where I'm gonna end up I loved it Uh, the hustle bustle it just speaks to me (laughs) and uh, so I, I auditioned there and performed and went and saw lots of Broadway shows, and I just, it was just kind of, I felt like this is where I was supposed to be, and and when, I don't know, when I heard that I had to come home because they weren't giving out uh, the visa that I needed at the time, I was pretty distraught, and I moved back to Little Raymond, Alberta, and I was, I was pretty, pretty sad, and I felt like I just didn't have any direction, and I actually ran into uh, Carrie Tallstrip, so Carrie Tallstrip, Carrie Baldry now is was my grade nine teacher. And she has been the greatest example to me. And she ran into me and she just said, hey, what's your plans? And she could tell that I was pretty bummed to be back. And she said, you need to go and be a teacher. And I was like, I have never wanted to be a teacher, Carrie. I'm sorry. I really just I really don't. And she said, no, you just got to go try it. She said, "You'll love it once you're in it, and you will understand why teachers love to teach once you get through the program and, and get your first class." So I did. I was not happy about it, <laughs> actually. I started at the U of L, and I I just did it because I had no other. I felt like I had no other options at this point. I had a degree, but that degree is not super lucrative here in southern Alberta. Not a ton of places to perform, and so. I started school and, and the schooling program at the U of L was, was great. There was no issues there, but I just didn't know if I was gonna love it as much as I as they said. So finished my degree at the U of L. I had some great practicum placements. Um, no issues there, but I, I still was just like, I don't know. And and all my placements were in elementary as well, which I originally had wanted to teach high school. So I just felt like I was lost all over but i got my first teaching position at the at raymond elementary school and i fell in love oh my word my first grade 5 class honest after the first week i went home to my husband and i said okay i found my place <laughs> i i i found my place of of teaching and i haven't looked back since
0: awesome so i'm going to do some some follow up questions uh and ideas about that, that you brought up in your conversation because I think it's interesting and important for people to know that all of us as uh, as teachers have had um, our own journey um, to education and to becoming teachers and and sometimes it's um, we teach math and science or english or or whatever it is we we teach and we're passionate about but we're passionate about it because we have other parts of us that are important so let's Let's just talk about your um, degree in uh, vocal performance and what what that was like for you, and then what it was like to to go to New York and and for a small time live your dream. And so just let's just talk about living dreams and and how what you would say to kids about trying something new and 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 living your dream, although it changes, but live your dream for as long as you can.
2: So, I was lucky at the time that I graduated in 2010, Uh, Todd Heggie was the one that really helped me get to Weber State University, and he was so supportive, and he absolutely, he said, go and chase your dreams, you are a wonderful musician and singer, and he said, honestly, there's probably not a lot of performing opportunities, and of course, coming from Raymond, I was pretty nervous to just venture out on my own right after graduation, and and he was he was really supportive helped me get there helped me get the uh canadian scholarship that that helped and then the ambassador scholarship and so when i went there um if i can speak plainly uh i just i just felt okay so uh, my maiden name is ralph and uh i didn't play sports Shocker. I
0: know. <laughs> I mean, that's different. <laughs> uh, <yeah>, I
2: know. <laughs> and sometimes, actually, one time, uh, this, I was called like the Ralph that went wrong. <laughs> oh, wow. And in the moment, I was like, it stung pretty deep back in those little high school feelings. And uh, I was like, no, no, I'm not something that's wrong. And I wanted to prove to myself and prove to other people that I could do it. And that I didn't have to play sports. I played sports. I just, it wasn't where I shined, you know? And so I took music and ran with it. And yes, there's quite a few uh, places to perform around here, but I needed something bigger. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of what pushed me to, to start following my dreams down south. And I loved it. It was great. I had lots of opportunities to perform, and, and I was actually accepted to Arizona State University for my master's degree, and I just decided, you know what, yes, schooling's important, but I, I think I'm just going to move to New York, and I decided on a Saturday, and I moved on a Tuesday, <laughs> so it was a very quick transition there. I had my entire life packed into my vehicle parked it in front of my uncle's house in Utah and I just said someone will come and pick this up I'm sure and went to the airport and I went to New York.
0: Nice so did you know anyone in New York did you where were you going?
2: (laughs) Good question I didn't tell my mom where I lived for I think about six months I lived in Harlem and I found a, a little apartment online and I didn't know anyone zero I had couple hundred dollars in my pocket so i i really had to hit the ground running there (laughs) and i did a little bit of research on the plane kind of trying to figure out even how to get to my apartment but it was a huge leap of faith i don't know it was something but uh i just i just felt like i needed to take a risk
0: awesome
2: and going to my master's program absolutely would have been wonderful but I I had to take that risk of following my dreams, and I've always wanted to live in New York and try the auditioning circuit and perform where I could, and you know, kind of just live that life there.
0: That's awesome. So, what was your greatest performing moment in New York and living that living that dream, taking that risk? Um, <laughs> what was that? What was your greatest performing opportunity?
2: Yeah. So there's it's it's a unique situation over there. Um, and it, and that's where it was hard is many people said, okay, if you want to really make it like all the way to Broadway, you need to live in New York for at least five years. Mm. And I was like, hmm, I've got 12 months guys, like you <laughs> need to, to fast track this, but it's, it's such a, you know, who, you know, game. Right. And that was discouraging. Like there was lots of times where so how it works in there for the auditioning is you have to wake up at about 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning, and you'd hop on the subway, and everyone was just asleep on the subway at that time, but you have to go all the way outside these big auditioning buildings, and you'd have to sit on the street and wait till 7 a.m. So... You wait till 7 a.m. and then people would sit on the street and they'd line up and then you'd go and you'd sign your name at 7 a.m. when the doors actually opened. And then you could go back home, get ready, I don't know, sleep if you needed, and then you'd come back at 10 o'clock when they actually started. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like a big process, and you had to work hard and and be motivated to to get there and to you know do your best and, and kind of fight for your position. And that's actually what I loved about that city. Uh, I felt like if I, ever, if I ever decided, oh, you know what, I'm just gonna take a lazy day, I'm just gonna stay home and I don't know, watch Netflix or read a book, uh, I didn't like it. I, I felt like I was losing the game, quote unquote, or I felt like I wasn't staying up with the pace of everybody else in New York. And so it was actually really hard to come back here <laughs> and I digress from your question, but I, you know, it was hard to come back here and not have that busyness. Right. Cause then I feel like sometimes, and I don't mean to ever bash like Southern Alberta and that's not what I mean. I think it's just a different environment. Right. But there, I felt like you could fight and, and work for your dream a lot easier because everybody was, mm. you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Nope.
2: whatever dream it was, everybody was, you know, hitting the pavement early in the morning, the hustle bustle, it's its different there. So with that being said, uh, performing opportunity, I had, I was always very close, even I was only there for a year, but I was, uh, there was me and two other girls for the leading role of Belle in Beauty and the Beast on Broadway. Hey. So yeah, like, it, it was always such a Oh, so frustrating because I'd get so close and I just I needed one Broadway role or something on in in like a bigger theater like that for my visa. And I just couldn't get it always was, you know, one of three or one of two. And it was so frustrating.
0: (laughs) Well, but but an awesome experience to have and and to be able to share that with uh, class, with kids in school and things like that. So we're going to come back to to school a little bit as you. We're uh, a Edwin Parr nomination from Westwind for outstanding first year teacher. So, um, and you talked about this, about falling in love in that classroom. Mm -hmm. And, um, and now you've, you moved, you had, you had that rush of that first year. And, and then um, in, I would say Sydney Roberts style, (laughs) (laughs) because Weaver State to New York, back to Raymond to a grade five classroom, and then um, springboard to Raymond High School so obviously don't slow down very much so yeah. <laughs> but, but tell us about just kind of your own I don't know philosophy of education what it was like that first few months of school the the struggle the good stuff um, just kind of talk about that as, as you've evolved as a teacher and, and the value of education
2: so I'll I'll actually back up slightly and and start with grade 5. Um like I said before I I thought I wanted just high school. You know, that's kind of where my goal was, but all of my practicums were in elementary and all in music education actually. So when I got the grade 5 position, I'm not saying I was disappointed in the slightest. I was so thrilled, but I was actually more nervous. <laughs> I had, you know, almost 30 grade five. What is that? 10, 11 kids surrounding me. And I was like, Oh, ah, okay, here we go. Uh, but honestly, from the first day I met him, I was, I just felt like I found my place. And when I reflect back on my own education, uh, I firmly believe that relationships bring the most success. Uh, it brings success for the teacher. Cause I feel like when they have a relationship with students, they can, you know, their lessons usually run smoother, students are more engaged, right? But even then, uh, I think students are more successful because they they want to try for you. You know, they want to, they they know that you believe in them and that you're willing to to push them and help them out and have this deeper relationship and connection with them. And so, of course, why wouldn't they want to to work harder for you or, you know, even work harder for themselves in that case. So um, that was what I wanted to do very first. I wanted to build my relationships with my students, and from there, truly, truly see what what they needed support with, whether it was curriculum-based or whether it was just giving them that uh, support or positive influence or compliments or whatever they needed um personally as well right and i think that when you can take the time to build those relationships with students you know you'll do anything for them
0: awesome i couldn't agree more we've had a a number of teachers and and students on here Uh, we've had some uh, psychologists uh, dr jody carrington and others who obviously Um, emphasize that point of of, uh, relationships and building your your philosophy around everything happens uh, in teaching with relationships so um, let's just talk about that for one minute because one of the things I wanted to know were did you have particular teachers that um, influenced you um, and 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 maybe brought you back to education. You talked about uh, Carrie um, Baldry already, but as a student, are there two or three teachers that stood out that um, you felt like um, emulated that relationship piece, I guess?
2: Oh oh yeah, and I think we are so lucky to get our education in Westwind School Division, to be honest. Uh, I've actually had this discussion with a couple of my friends, you know, wherever I've traveled, whether it be the states or or New York, and and I've actually talked to them about the my influential teachers, and it's amazing to me. Some people just don't have it; they they don't have that uh, influence in their life. So we we're really lucky to to have education. Our education here in Westwind School Division. I think that all of the teachers have this passion to not only teach the curriculum but to like really connect with their students and encourage them to follow their dreams or to, you know, build them up or to encourage them to try out for the basketball team or, you know, compliment them so that they can build students up throughout, you know? And I I think we're really lucky to have that. Um, Yeah. Like I said, Carrie Baldry. Oh, she was awesome. She was my grade nine teacher. I still remember, specific lessons that she's taught me, uh, Mm -hmm. not only about English, but about life in general. Um, She read us the giver. And I remember walking into the class and she had this huge goblet, like trophy looking thing up at the front of the class on a stool. And so we're all like walking in, we knew we were reading the giver, Mm -hmm. but it's the part in the book where they have to go up and they receive what, what career they're going to be in the future. And she made us all do it. We all had to go up and draw a little card and, and we got to figure out what our career was. And mine, I still remember was a veterinarian, you know, and she, and so she brought this book to life for us, you know, and we got to not just simply read a chapter book, but we got to almost live it alongside the characters. And it's just something I've never forgot. And so when I got into grade five, I felt like I wanted to do the same. For these kids, and so I, I took loads of paper and I created a Hogwarts inside my classroom.
0: Awesome. I
2: hung floating candles and I had banners and I made witches' hats and I made took a long piece of paper and covered my door and made it look like bricks. So when they came the next day to school, they had to you know come through the brick wall like they do in Harry Potter Platform ninety three quarters, right? And to me, when kids have an opportunity to to live literature like that, then it connects deeper with them. We had wonderful discussions about the book and they they were bought in. And when I moved to high school, I was actually a little nervous because I thought, man, I mean, I can't do that with high school kids. And then I remembered Carrie and I thought, yeah, I can. And so we just read Lord of the Flies and I, you know, at the very beginning of the book, I tried to have them, I put them in different groups and I I made them do like a survival uh, activity where they had to decide who would, who would make it on the rescue boat or things like that. Right. I tried to have them draw out the island and they had to, you know, be way more involved in the book. But, but to me, uh, Carrie showed me that no it doesn't matter your age kids love literature they love to read and all they want is to be bought in and engaged in lessons like that so to me i was okay i'm gonna take that and run with it um but other teachers um absolutely i could name i could name so many teachers that that not only with school but i would come into school and i would be having an off day and they never ever judged me for it right they would almost kind of leave it to the side they'd never call me out or whatever and then they'd come and talk to me after class of hey how's it going What you know anything I can help with and I, I always felt like I had someone I could go talk to if I needed and so moving forward I I made it a goal within myself never ever ever to keep a quote unquote, dirty slate with, with a kid. Every single day, it is a fresh slate. If the kid was an absolute turd the day before, it does not matter. You do not know what's going on in their life. I never felt like I was judged from teachers and I never wanted kids to feel the same way for me.
0: Awesome, or feel, awesome.
2: like feel that they were from me, right?
0: No, that's great. And so, um, as we kind of, uh, Not kind of, as we bring this to a close, I have a few final questions for you. Uh, What's one thing you would want all of your students to know as they leave your classroom? What do you want them to say in 10 years when they're being interviewed for their successes? What would you want them to say about you? Um, Oh,
2: I'm not emotional. um. I want them to know that someone believes in them, you know? Um, I think this world is way too hard for kids. They have a lot on their plate. Um, Even when we, with this online schooling, uh, you know, the first week home, they were happy and laughing on my Google Meet and By the end of this week, I could tell it was a lot harder, you know, their demeanor was different and they were all very quiet and they just look, it's hard, right? This, this world that they live in and, and we know we're adults, (laughs) it gets hard once you leave school. And so if I can have a kid believe or know anything from me, it is that I believe in them. I, whatever it may be. I mean, I have, I want a kid to know that I believe that they can pass their driver's test. I want a kid to, to know that I believe that they can even try out for the basketball team, even if they don't make it. They did it. They tried out. That's the point, right? I, I want a kid to know that someone believed in them and that they can do it, right? Um, I, my mother-in-law works as the librarian in the, in the junior high. And she said that, you know, before COVID happened the, this last time that uh, a kid went in there from my class and he was trying to find a book. And so she just asked like, Hey, how is your, how's your English class going? And she didn't necessarily know if he knew that was my mother-in-law or not. And, and he just said, Oh, it's, it's, it's great. And I'm not, I don't mean to like, that's not to pump my own horns, but the part that I, that stuck with me is he said, I I never knew a teacher could care that much about me personally and my education at the same time, you know, and to me, I, that's, that's all I want. I want kids to know that I, I care about them personally. I care about their education and I believe in them.
0: Awesome. Well, that's good. So I would like to know also, you're now the veteran, you're a year and a half in your job. <laughs> <laughs> what would you tell a first year teacher, someone that's uh coming in at the end of August getting their first classroom, whether it's high school, elementary, middle school, whatever. What, what would you say to them if you had a chance to say you know they're nervous, what would you tell them?
2: Oh, I do not feel like a veteran. I feel like I'm going through my f- another first year. <laughs> I'm <sure you> do. <laughs> but with that being said, I, I definitely would tell them take a breather, just breathe. Uh, it is a, it is overwhelming. And I feel like your to-do list continues to grow. If I showed you the to-do list on my desk right now, it's yeah, it's huge. Okay. Uh, but I think that I would number one, tell them develop relationships, strong relationships with every kid and not just, not just like as a teacher to student, but, and what I mean there is Figure out the passions and hobbies and likes and dislikes of all your kids. Because then you can you know, even tailor your lessons just a little bit so that that one kid who looks like he's just not listening, if all of a sudden you talk about Fortnite or semi-trucks or whatever it may be, all of a sudden they're like, oh, hey, she's talking about what I care about. Okay, I'm I'm gonna listen to her now, (laughs) right? I think that developing those relationships very, very first is number one. Uh, number two, I, I, I never followed this as good, and I should have. Leave some of your work at school. Don't take everything home. Don't think. Don't take it home and work on it all night so that it feels like you never have a break. I was really bad at that. I'll be honest. <laughs> <laughs> and I just all I all I wanted was to just you know, I didn't want to fail at it well, guess what? There's some times where you are going to fail at it and a class is not going to go as well. And you're going to sit at your desk and you're going to go, okay, well, that didn't work. And so laugh about it. Let it go. I had an awesome mentor at Raymond Elementary School. I had Robin Fairbanks. She was so wonderful. I would go into her class and I'd be like, I just, I don't know what, I think I just tanked this lesson. And she'd say, tell me about it. And then she'd laugh and say, no, it's fine you know here try this change this here try this material rely on your staff you know they they've done it before and they're so willing to help Um, I think that you just have to learn to laugh at yourself as well but I I do if it's okay I will add this as this little part here Um, I want to thank Westwind for nominating me for the Edwin Parr award Uh, it was at a weird time during COVID, you know, when I we didn't get a kind of we didn't get to really finish that process uh, in the normal way. But it it was a huge honor for me. I'm not saying that I was working so hard to get that award, but I knew that award was there, and it just kind of when I when I was nominated, I kind of told myself like, you know what, you did it because I worked hard you have to work hard as a teacher and especially as a first year teacher. And it just kind of was proof to me like, okay, you worked hard. You did your part. Now don't, don't let, don't slow down <laughs> moving forward.
0: Awesome. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to visit with us today. Um, I'm fascinated, uh, really with your story of, uh, of, um, dreams and some of those, uh, Hard things that you did um, to maybe discover a little bit about who you were, and then to come back to your your hometown and say, uh, you know, and have somebody encourage you like Carrie to go into education, but then jump in with both feet and say, I'm going to make a difference. It's an awesome story. It really is. And um, Westwind is well aware of your talents as well as others, and so hopefully you still have lots of time and. an opportunity to still perform and and do those things that are also um, part of who you are and, and your passion so um, Sydney thanks so much for taking some time with us this morning and uh, congratulations on your nomination last spring and uh, we wanted to make sure that we had a chance to highlight you as it didn't happen as normal so uh, thank you so much good luck with your your future endeavors in westwind and we we'll look forward to maybe some normalcy uh, late spring so that we
2: yeah, let's hope we, so <laughs> and all
0: see each other again face to face so thank you very much
2: yeah thank you so much